Hey guys, this is Stevie Nelson. And I am Dave Horwitz. And this is I Burn Everything, a food and relationship podcast. Stevie, once again, it's just us. Just me and you, Dave. It feels I'm, good to be here. It does feel good to be here. I'm actually really loving the episodes where it's just me and you. I yeah. love having guests, mm-hmm. but I equally like sitting down with you and just catching up and talking about things we like and talking about things that happen to us. I personally love it too. And we've been getting some really good feedback about those episodes specifically. So we will still be bringing you plenty of amazing guests. Yeah, we don't will worry. be prying deeply into their lives and getting them to reveal frankly tons about themselves yes but every now and then we're going to come together and just talk about some stuff that's important to us and uh this is sort of an episode based on my uh deep deep fixation on not just movies but also movie podcasts so we're going to talk about some of our favorite romantic movies yes and um we both came up with five of our favorite romantic movies and we're going to, we haven't told each other and we're nope. going to discuss it with one another and maybe see if any of them line up, see if like we agree, disagree. Um, and we're not ranking them because these are just like five of our favorite movies. Yeah. I feel like ranking them, uh, I, you know, I feel underqualified to do that. And I also, when I was coming to coming up with this list, there's just so many and I so feel many. like ranking them would lead to some dissent possibly online possibly yeah. from a angry listener driving and screaming like i can't believe you don't have moonstruck on your list and right. that's a bit of a spoiler i don't have moonstruck on my list me neither um i do like moonstruck quite a bit but uh it was first shown to me by someone i was dating who uh, forced me to watch it mm. and uh you know we broke up like two weeks later and i don't know that, that's kind of my context for moonstruck mm. and i haven't really wanted to watch it ever again I but think that's um, totally fair yeah because every time i watch moonstruck i think of uh the breakup uh what's a good fake name stella Ooh, stella fiery woman fiery woman a fiery italian woman just like share in moonstruck also <laughs> nicholas cage and share in that movie neither of them are italian nah neither uh, but uh, yeah we, we we came up with five and it was really hard for me to do that i have me a couple too. of honorable mentions me too and i also uh i think it's important to note that when i was thinking of these the idea of romance in general because i think we've talked a little bit on the show about um you can have a sort of a romantic friendship you can have a familial romance in the sense of just like oh my god i i I can't believe how deeply i connect with this uh, person in my family and it's such a beautiful thing so i think uh for the purpose of this uh we've got a bit of a broad definition of what constitutes romance and what constitutes a romantic movie so Again, if you disagree with us or if you have others you think we missed, that's fine. But hey, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email. We'll give you all that information at the end of the podcast. But to start, for now, we're going to start our our movies, our romantic movies. Okay, Dave, you want to start us off? Yes. Okay, my first movie I'd like to talk about is uh, it's from 2003, and I was a little bit split here. I, I was kind of waffling between this movie and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, both mm. 2003 movies, both kind of devastating gut punch movies, but I think ultimately because this one might be a little bit less seen, I'm going to go with this one. It's 2003's All the Real Girls. Uh, it's directed by David Gordon Green. And it stars uh, Paul Schneider, Zoe Deschanel, Shea Wiggum, Danny McBride, and Patricia Clarkson. Have you seen this movie? No. Okay. So um, it's a little tricky to pick it as a man in his 30s because when I saw it initially, it just punched me in my guts mm. you know it's uh um, i love that i, I kind of love that feeling when i watch a movie yeah it's so david gordon green has made he made a movie called george washington he's made uh he made undertow with jamie bell but uh in later years he was he you know worked with danny mcbride on uh, eastbound and down and vice principals and righteous gemstones yeah. and you know he's made a bunch of comedies but this is a very i mean possibly autobiographical uh because of how real it is it's a very it's like a just a rural kind of small town movie about Essentially what it is, is it's a man, just like a guy, a young guy who uh, falls for his best friend's sister. Oh. And uh, it's, it's Paul Schneider and he falls for Zoe Deschanel. And it is this kind of so real, it makes you your stomach kind of churn. 
first love like I, i'm i'm thinking about um there's a scene where they're just like hugging at a bowling alley and they're like they're over one of the lanes and they're just in the middle and it's like it's very visual yeah but um this is a not quite a spoiler but needless to say there's some complications it's kind of a pure exploration of first love Aww. but it's also a pretty pure exploration of first heartbreak uh, always they come hand in hand yeah so not only is it, you know, strikingly romantic and kind of like dorky in the way that these two come together and it's like prime pre adorkable Zoe Deschanel. She's just extre- she's young and these, they're all kind of dressed like not perfectly. It yeah. feels very, very authentically uh cringe worthy love like if it's almost sometimes you're like oh my god i can't believe there's a camera on these two yeah um Oof. but when things kind of eventually take a bit of a complicated turn it is some of the most uh yeah wrenching awkward sad just like that it reminds me of when we had an episode with with mookie blakelock and he yeah. was talking about living with me while i was going through a, a breakup and it feels this movie feels a little bit like that. Like yeah. if you can think about how vulnerable you were when you were first falling for for someone and falling out of love with someone, mm. it's this one. Oh, wow. I love yeah. that. I would love to see it. I'll make sure to see it so I can uh, yeah. know what you're talking about. Yes. And there's also some really cool, I mean, you know, Danny, it's one of Danny McBride's first uh, like on-screen performances. He's super funny in it. Like it's, it's, it kind of walks the line between dramedy and straight up drama and sometimes into comedy and, uh, you know, honorable mention to Patricia Clarkson as Paul Schneider's mom, who mm. uh, is just beautiful and wonderful in this. Oh, I love that. Okay, Dave. Yeah. My first one is Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> I know. 2017. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. I think probably everyone's seen this movie. I, you know, I, you know, you'd be surprised. You think? Please go see this movie. Okay, so "Call Me by Your Name" is such a beautifully done movie. Um, it's also kind of, uh, I feel like it's the first time we all saw Timothy Chalamet. How do you pronounce his last name? Chalamet. Okay, so we all saw Timothy Chalamet, and it was kind of like our introduction to him. At least most of ours. Mm-hmm. That year was big. It was that for him. It was that and Lady Bird, where he was kind of yes. like, yeah, yeah, but, also uh, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. he's very good in this movie. He's incredible. And I think for me, why I chose this is there is, for me, I love a movie that shows the progression of falling in love with someone. Mm-hmm. And also I love when it's not a super clean ending, like that they don't end up together or that it's not perfect, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but my God, that that scene by the river. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, and it's and it is hard because I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to spoil any of these movies for for anyone who hasn't seen it uh, or them. But it's this I think this kind of maybe goes hand in hand with my pick because it's a it's a little bit of um it's bittersweet. Uh, it's bittersweet. It's almost uh, awkward in the way it depicts yes. like a first real love so um so nakedly yeah and uh, you know it's it's uh. Yeah, the love between between Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet mm. is uh, it's like really I I guess potent is maybe like a good word for it. Yeah, it's like potent, incredibly passionate. And also, there's a little little something uh, for the food side of this podcast too. <laughs> if you think about it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's hopefully not to spoil anything. Yeah. But uh, if so you like stone fruit, this is a movie for you. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I remember I one time dated a guy who was actually in like the produce business mm-hmm. and he literally asked me at one point he's like do you like stone fruit and I was just like <laughs> you could just ask me if I like peaches and cherries <laughs> <laughs> well he wanted to sound sexy <laughs> um so that's my pick what's your next one um my next one and I do have a reason for this uh is 1997's gross point blank Oh, um, whoa. Yeah, it's uh it's Steve Pink directed this. It's John Cusack, Mini Driver, Jeremy Piven. Yes. And this is like uh this is sort of the precursor to 2000s High Fidelity. It's basically the same team that made that movie made this movie and uh it's uh, basically it kind of kicked off the whole um, Hitman with a Heart of Gold, Hitman yeah. in Therapy kind of thing. It's it predates The Sopranos, but it's uh it's John Cusack as a extremely conflicted 
PTSD uh, war vet who um, who after college uh, high school kind of disappeared and became a contract killer. And it's about him going back to his uh, his high school for his ten year reunion. And I picked this movie, yeah, why? Because the relationship between John Cusack and Minnie Driver feels so lived in and familiar. It's like I saw this movie young enough where you know I wasn't, I didn't think movie all movies were documentaries, but the way they play off of each other, the like. I feel like when he first comes to town and makes eye contact with her and she sees him, she plays a radio DJ. Yes. And she is seeing him through the glass at her radio station and she almost kind of can't finish a sentence. She's like, she plays a sort of fast talking, extremely charismatic uh, woman with impeccable taste in music who, who works at the, like her hometown's radio station. And you hear her kind of rattling off all of these song titles and being really like extemporaneous and, and being and like talking about the high school reunion that's coming up. And then as soon as she sees him, she can't complete a sentence and Mm. then they see each other and it's like the chemistry that these two had. It also, I will say it reminds me a little bit because I did not date much in high school and these guys were like, these two were red hot lovers wow. in high school. Like oh my God. They, I also love that phrase. <laughs> every single person in the movie that sees them is like, you two are back together. Wow. These two, whoa, you two are pretty hot and heavy. Like, I think it was just kind of known that these were like, this is the, this was it. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of abandons her and runs away. And when he comes back, the, uh, the chemistry is off the charts. And obviously it's a, it is like an action comedy and there's a lot of murder and violence. Yeah. But the central relationship is really, really, uh, I, it just feels not just authentic, but I just, you love watching the two of them. And I kind of was looking for moments in this list. Yes. So there is a moment where, and you know, my own mortality, notwithstanding, this did make me think about time and whatever and generations and you'll anyway, he's at his high school reunion he is handed a newborn baby. A woman has brought her newborn baby to the reunion. Mm-hmm. She hands it to John Cusack. He's looking at it. The baby looks at him. It's like perspective, both of their POVs. This like stone cold killer's heart melts a little bit when they make eye contact. The baby kind of coos a little. And then you see Mini Driver watch this happen. And it says there's no dialogue. And it says so much. It's just beautiful. It's like this woman is clearly imagining her future with this guy. And I don't know how it was written in the screenplay, but there could have been, you know, it's never mentioned. In parentheses, pregnant pause. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every, yeah, every, every woman in a relationship in the audience becomes instantly pregnant or instantly starts ovulating. Yes. Uh, Oh, I love that choice. Yeah. Have you seen it? It's a good choice. Um, No. And I'm so ashamed that I haven't seen either of your two. No, no, no. It's, I mean, look, I, it's streaming. I believe it's on HBO Go. It's very, very fun. Okay. And also I love it a lot and I think I love it more than most people. Yeah. So I might be looking at this with rose colored glasses, but uh, it feels, these are not, this is not the most romantic movie that's ever made, been made, but but it's romantic to me. Yeah. I think that's all that we're looking for here. These are not the, we're, our list is romantic to us. Yes. So it can't be wrong. <laughs> um, okay, my next one is I have ones from all over, like from starting at like 1987 and on. Great. But these last two were pretty um, recent. Mm-hmm. This one incredibly recent. And so this might be a spoiler. So if you haven't seen this movie, um, once I name it, just go ahead and like give a pause and then come back. Um, Little Women, 2019. <sighs> Oh, this movie's good. <laughs> um, directed by Greta Gerwig. And here, here's why I chose it. I am like, I'm a very practical person. I feel a lot of things, but I'm incredibly practical. This movie made me cry three separate times. <gasps> really? I almost never cry in movies unless a dog dies. <sighs> and so for me, I felt like this movie developed all of the relationships, like, the love between sisters, mm-hmm. the love between family members, the love between like our first love, falling in love. Um, and then as like it ended, um, the people who ended up together, I, d- I don't want to spoil it too hard, you know? Yeah. Um, there was something about it to me that, f- you know, I wasn't attached to the real, like the original the story or the book. 
um, in watching this, I felt so moved by how much love was processed between all these people that I, I couldn't stop crying. Yeah, it is. Um, again, I, I didn't have a lot. Of, I didn't have a connection to the source material. Yeah. Um, I know many uh, people. I mean, they're all they are all women. There was there's a weird internet thing in the last couple of weeks. Men being like, oh, I don't want to watch this movie. Women being like, I can't believe men aren't seeing this movie. And I don't know if that it rang a little bit false. I think it just like was the internet kicking up dust. I do too. But I will admit that I wasn't burning up to see this movie. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend is a huge fan of the book. She's seen the other adaptations. Uh, she absolutely loved this one. Oh, that makes me happy. I saw it and it. You know, you want to talk about romance. Like, there is, you know, romantic love between a man and a woman in this movie. But the familial oh. relationship between these sisters, uh, I thought it was... I've never seen more authentic... This is going to sound really inarticulate, but hanging out. I know. Like, these four sisters living in this house in, like, the, you know, in the 1800s. Yeah. Uh just horsing around, putting on a play in their living room, uh, being part of a secret club that they're the only members of. Yeah. It felt, uh, it was just beautiful. It was so beautiful. And like, I have a sister who's probably my favorite person on earth, you mm. know? And so watching sisters be sisters, like me and my sister saw it together and it oh. was just, oh, it was so good. But I will say, because we are focusing on romantic love, like while this did have so much love in the movie, I also felt like the romantic love was like incredible in it too. Yeah. And I loved, um, you know, I loved watching how that progressed. It was, it's such a special movie. And um, what if every single one of my movies had Timothy Chalamet in it? Well, I got, I will <laughs> say it's, it's, I find it. I'm uh, two for two. So I've seen, I think most of the movies he's been in, I saw Call Me By Your Name and liked it. It wasn't wild about his particular performance. I saw Lady Bird, really liked it. Kind of forgot that he was in it. Yep. And then he exploded as sort of like a new sex symbol, sort of, which is interesting. because He's he, an icon. He's an icon, but he also seems like he needs to... He needs to go down for a nap. Like he's a little guy. Well, he's he's, he's young. He's, yeah, and he's very he's, delicately he's, beautiful. He's a young, delicate little bird man. Yeah, I think he's so beautiful. Uh, I think so. So watching this movie, I walked away being like, "Oh, this guy's got the goods. I yeah. get it. Yeah. He's he's strike. He's got a striking presence. He's got a his face is great. Yeah, to be you know like he should be photographed." And uh, he does longing really well. I mean, call me by your yes, name. He's he does. absolutely racked with love and longing and pining. And Little Women, uh, yeah. he just kind of ups the ante. Oddly, kind of all of my movies that I've picked have the theme of longing. I know. Wouldn't say that's odd. I <laughs> it know. Scans. It's kind of exactly what I am. It's um, kind of why we do a podcast about it. 100%. Because yeah. I'm just like, oh, I just want to be in love. Mm-hmm. Oh, love. <laughs> oh, love. I love love. Um, can you tell me your third? Yes. Okay. So my third is a tie. And I feel like a tie here and there is okay. And you'll know why. Uh, it is a tie between uh, 20th century women and beginners. Oh my God, both are on my list. Yeah. Okay, so great. So we'll, I'm going to combine those two. Great, let's talk about them. I also had them as a tie. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, both by Mike Mills. Yes. Why, there are t- why I think it's appropriate that there's a tie is Beginners was about Mike Mills' dad mm-hmm. and 20th Century Women was about his mom. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I almost feel like and, it, and it's it's interesting. I, I've never uh, done a movie podcast before, but I feel like kind of a little section of my life is a movie podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I hope I am not monologuing when I talk to my friends about movies. It's just, uh, I, it's, you know, I downloaded um, Letterboxd, the movie app where you can just kind of catalog what you watch. It really helped me this past year try to actually remember what I saw. Yeah. Every time I see a movie, I just log it in Letterboxd. Oh, I like that. Um uh, they they are not a sponsor, but guys, get on Letterboxd. Uh, my name is just my name on there, and you can follow me and see what I thought about... Uh, I watched 1999's The Mummy last night no. for the first time. But um, I feel like mumble-mouthed talking about this because I don't think that Mike Mills's movies uh, can be categorized 
I've never seen anything like what this man does. No. To me, they feel like love letters to his parents. And yep. and they feel like love letters. And I don't think you can categorize a love letter. Like mm-hmm. for me, Beginners comes a little bit before 20th Century Women. Yeah. It moved me in a different way. Beginners was 2011 and 20th Century Women was 2016. Yeah. Um, beginners for me in so it, it, his way of directing is so different it's he's an artist above all right like he draws and he does all the things that are in beginners that's why the drawings exist he was yeah. drawing and he incorporated them um there are little like almost slideshows throughout them which are beautiful mm-hmm. like this is what it was like in 1969 and there's something so intimate about the portrayal of his relationship to his dad so Ewan McGregor plays essentially what would Basically be Mike him. Mills. Yeah. yeah. And then Christopher Plummer's his dad and Melanie Laurent's his love interest and so much longing in this. Yeah. My absolute um favorite moment in Beginners is when they're in the hotel and um hotel room and she Melanie Melanie Laurent explains that she spent a lot of her life in the ho- in her hotel and they're kind of deciding if they want to like try mm-hmm. and it feels so real and it feels like one of those conversations that I've like had with partners where it's like do we do this should we do this maybe not like let's not do it and like but everyone wants to do it and then, you know it's like that um that's sort of like real conversation that happens it doesn't you just don't usually fall in love and just keep going there's usually some discussions that are like i don't know man yeah how are you feeling what are you doing are you seeing anyone else yes uh it it feels like his movies are both like realist and dreamlike in the weirdest way like this bizarre combination of the two because you know beginners is about this man like not watching his father pass away but you know kind dealing of, with yeah, yeah dealing with his father becoming sick and going into hospice while falling in love after yeah and that is there's been so many movies about loss and falling in love and there's been so many kind of like lyrical magical realist movies and they don't really intersect like no. uh you know these are don't, please don't uh crucify me but the only two examples i can think of right now are like amelie and Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a dreamlike movie where a girl is like flitting through the streets of Paris and a man like being ravaged by and dying of AIDS with like a legal drama underneath. I feel like Mike Mills can take the realist elements of death, dying, hospice, loss. Yeah. And the most dreamlike parts of love. Like almost um Yeah. Like, like if Michelle Gondry was uh you know, existed on earth and wasn't like a magical creature who lived yeah. in the clouds. Yeah. Um, it, it really, I mean, let's also just take a pause and say that you and McGregor and Melanie Laurent are two of the most beautiful people in the universe. I like can't with you and McGregor. You, everyone knows how much I love him yes. and Melanie Laurent. Um, wow. Just an incredible actress woman. Yeah. I kiss her on the lips. I, I can't quite bring myself to do it, but she is in uh, Michael Bay's new um, action movie. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds's Netflix movie, Six Underground. Apparently she plays like the most badass killer in the world. And I would love to know mm-hmm. what that's like, but I can't bring myself to watch I it. I just want her to, in my head, she is just the actress from Beginners. Yes. And to me, she's also Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards. Absolutely. Because that is a very beautiful a movie and a very beautiful performance. Me, I agree, hundred percent. Um, let's and everyone who knows both of us knows how much we love Beginners. Um, yes. one of my friends told me, "Hey, just so you know, every time you see me, you mention the movie Beginners." <laughs> and he said, "Do you do this with everyone?" And I go, "Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, I do." Um, let's uh, talk. Let's touch on twentieth century women yes. a little bit too. First of all, this is apropos of nothing, but I am a huge fan of Tyler the Creator as like an artist, a musician, everything. I think he's amazing. Um, I think he's a genius, and I just. I'm constantly blown away by him. And one day I follow him on Instagram and yeah. one day he just posted on his story, a screenshot from 20th century women and said something like, this might be my favorite movie of all time. Wow. And I couldn't, but I was like, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, but this movie, uh, I think that the romance here to me is it is because it is a love letter to his mom. Yep. But I also just think that it's, you know, the premise being 
essentially it's a bit of a it's loose in terms of having an actual plot but yeah it's annette benning asking uh greta gerwig who plays like a porter in her house like she's renting a room in the house in uh, in santa barbara correct yes so they're in santa barbara and ed benning has this like artist played by greta gerwig living in her house and she asks her and l fanning who is her son's like best friend slash uh he's completely in love with her yes and she's not giving him the time of day she's very aloof but she basically is like will you two help basically raise my son like tell him how to be a man tell him how to treat women how to love and they're a little bit you know al fanning's like i don't know if i want this job greta gerwig by the way i think this is maybe my favorite performance of hers me too she's fantastic in this movie all the through lines timothy chalamet and greta gerwig Mm -hmm. they're my number ones baby (laughs) (laughs) uh but just, I feel like the wisdom that gets imparted on this boy. Yeah. Uh, there's like, you know, she, Greta Gerwig takes him to a punk show. Elle Fanning like is with him while she takes a pregnancy test. And it's extreme. It's just, it's another kind of dreamlike movie that deals with very real subjects. And I don't know if I'm selling it great, but it has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like new wave and like post-punk, you know, television, talking heads. Yeah. Uh, I think Circle Jerks maybe or, or um, uh, Sex Pistols but there's a scene where Billy Crudup and Greta Gerwig uh, Billy Crudup is like a handyman right? Yeah. Is that what he He's like a carpenter handyman yeah. of sorts and he is like a very handsome kind of older guy with all of his walls up just a very guarded uh, gently brilliant guy and uh, he and Greta Gerwig are going to have sex and she wants to role play with him and he just can't do it. <laughs> and it's one of the most like gently funny things I think I've ever seen. It's, I agree. It's, absolutely. I, we talked about this. Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite scene. Yeah. It's utterly brilliant. And then there's a scene later where, where Billy Crudup and, and I've been going to have a drink and they dance together. Also great scene. And they like I, I'm at this point, I'm just babbling, but. I think these two movies are extremely special. Me too. Uh, I think they view romance through like a totally different prism that I don't, I truly haven't seen anything like it before. Me I'm neither. sure he wears his, his influences on his sleeve. And if I'd seen some kind of niche 70s art film, I'd know. But all I know is that these movies, whenever they're streaming, whenever I, you know, I've, I think I, my screener of beginners is like from 2011. Uh, from you know being in the writers guild is like one of the only things I've like from that era that I've kept oh wow like I got rid of all my DVDs and I was like "Mm, this one is sticking around I love that Uh, but definitely check both of these movies out they're both wonderful Um, okay so I only have two more Um, my next one is 1995 film Before Sunrise okay that's a yes I haven't seen it okay cool so this is a trilogy. I think this is the first one of the trilogy. Okay, so I'll give you a basic overview of the movie. Yeah. So um, Ethan Hawke, whose name is Jesse in it, he's an American. Um, and then Julie Delpy, whose uh, name is Celine in it. Um, she's a student returning to Paris. After a bunch of conversations on a train, he convinces her to get off the train at, with him in Vienna. Okay. Ooh. And then basically... Um, they have no money for lodging or anything. And so they wander the city together, like taking in the experiences of Vienna together. And it basically makes like this whole night together. And then the morning's like incredibly difficult because they connected to that degree. But they have to leave each other. I don't know. You have to watch <laughs> it to find out. Well, I know they made three. This is, this is the, this is a movie. I'm so sure that I need to see this movie because I feel like anytime it comes up and I tell people I haven't seen it, people are shocked. Well, yeah. And so something that my attachment to it, besides like really loving the movie, um, is my first screenplay or my first, um, wow. I'm like having my like sentences and thoughts today are really like in my head. They're like, um, blocks they're like (laughs) like it's not working um so my first um screenwriting class in LA was taught by the woman who also wrote the movie so she wrote her name's um Kim Krizan and she and Richard Link um Linklater Linklater yeah Linklater um 
they wrote it together. And so there's something very special about taking a class from this w- genius woman mm-hmm. who wrote this movie. Like it was incredible, but I really like this movie. Um, it really hits a lot of the things I like in a movie, which is like the idea of like taking a big risk, you know, just being like, yeah, let's get off. Like ro- it's truly romantic, a romantic choice. And then mm-hmm. just wandering a city together. Is there anything more romantic no, and also uh, my my assumption is that they are two of the only characters in the movie. Is that correct? Is yeah, they're it's pretty much just them. That's amazing. It's just them, and it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And like, look at this little screenshot from the movie. Like, oh my goodness. Oh boy, they and this is at they're their absolute beautiful. best looking. They are beautiful. Um, I, I have a question. This is truly. I'm not. Uh, yes. It's not a leading question because I don't know anything about the movie beyond, you know, the basic premise and who's in it. Um, I find that a lot of quote unquote romantic or, or relationship movies or dating movies or love stories are kind of made or broken on uh, believability and the dialogue. Yeah. For example, people like went nuts on marriage story on Twitter and were like, this fight scene is like acting 101 or like nobody has these oh these stupid problems like who cares oh you're you're rich and your wife's also rich and you're getting a divorce uh i feel like and i was a little bit mixed on the movie but the stuff in it that works to me is gut-wrenching because it just feels so authentic Mm -hmm. uh the line from marriage story that kills me is uh it's not on my list but i keep thinking about it when uh, they're discussing the fact that like long after he'd been like sleeping on the couch, but yeah. they were not divorced yet. He had said uh, she was mad at him about it. And he was like, you shouldn't be mad that I fucked her. You should be mad that I had a laugh with her. Mm-hmm. And it's like that tore me in half. I was like, oh, I feel like I've heard that kind of a thing in a fight before. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, how is the dialogue in this movie? It's so good that there are articles that are just quotes of the movie (laughs) it's really good i mean and they have it's really i think it's really good and really believable great it's but also i also haven't seen it in kind of a bit so have you seen all three of the movies two of them Ooh, you got a treat for yourself i know i have something i have another thing uh in store for me um the third movie on deck i've only seen two of them um also just need to say i hated marriage story Interesting. I felt like it was inc- so obviously this is not one of our movies on the list, no. but I felt like it was incredibly um, inconsistent. Like, I, yeah, that's, Sorry, go, that yeah, was yeah. my main problem with it. Yeah. I felt like some of the scenes felt incredibly well acted yes. and so beautifully done, and some of the dialogue, and then the next ones felt really false, lacking intimacy and vulnerability, and sort of felt like two different actors. It was really hard for me. Yeah. In terms of that, so I didn't end up feeling invested at all. See, it's so that's so funny. I felt like it was half the best movie I've ever seen about relationships, yes. and half what am I watching? Yes, hundred percent. And it's like you know, it's over two hours long, and so you get an hour. I think an hour of a really really good movie, and then I think you get another hour of kind of a bit of a. A puzzling head scratching to me it felt like a bad play a little bit yeah like it was like half a great movie half a bad play mm-hmm. uh I, yeah very 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 interesting and i couldn't tell if it was like oh i'm watching it on netflix and it feels more just like i'm kind of watching not like a cheap yeah. throwaway thing but it felt less like a a real experience Film. yeah yeah i feel like he played around with tone a lot yes and because of that it Made for a, yeah, very inconsistent viewing experience. What's interesting too is I thought about what you're saying because I was like, you know, I do have an entirely different experience when I go to the movie theater Mm -hmm. versus watch something at home. And so I do have to say I did watch it at home. So there is already a lack of investment, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I I wish I had seen it in the theater so I would know how I really feel. Um, It's not too late. Okay, Dave, what is your number four? I know that we're not ranking them. I'm just calling it that so I don't lose track. Yes. My next choice is 1997's Jackie Brown, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, based on Elmore Leonard's novel Rum Punch. It is another kind of crazy crime story with what I think is uh, just a beautiful, beautiful uh, romance in the middle of it. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's Robert Forster and Pam Greer, and okay. they are, let's just, they're older. They are older. Robert Forster just passed away. Uh, but, you know, you, you think about romance and movies, you think about, uh, you know, Call Me By Your Name, uh, Timothy Chalamet yeah, is like 20. People. Yeah, yeah. All of my movies are young people. Yeah, this is the, there is just, and a lot has been written about, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before, but as far as an older generation or like a, a shot at a second chance at love. Yeah. It is like, you know, Robert Forster plays, uh, you know, sort of a, a mild mannered bail bondsman. If you can even have a mild mannered bail, bail bondsman, <laughs> but he's a, uh, he's, you know, working in a shady business, but he's about the gentlest and kindest seeming, uh, man in the world. Yeah. And, uh, Pam Greer plays Jackie Brown, who is a flight attendant who gets mixed up in, uh, in, uh, you know, a basically there's, you know, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil any of the actual uh, plot mechanics, but this is a slow burn relationship movie okay. uh, where you just get to watch the most vulnerable mm. older man totally fall for this beautiful woman. And Pam Greer was, she was uh, Foxy Brown in the seventies. Yes. Like she's like a black exploitation legend that Quentin Tarantino, like he likes to do resurrected her and wrote her what I believe is just a really, really wonderful role. I love but that. They, uh, their chemistry is super believable. It's like a little slower. The stuff that they um, uh, connect on is feels so authentic. Um, okay. I'll, this, this is a, I guess, a mild spoiler. If you don't want the mildest spoiler, skip ahead twenty seconds. But okay. uh, there is a part in the movie where they're hanging out, and Robert Forster's character is struck by uh, music that Jackie Brown put on, and he asks her, "What is this?" And she says, "It's the Delphonics." Yep. And later in the movie, he goes to a store, okay. buys a Delphonics tape, and just drives around listening to it and you can just see on his face that he's doing it specifically because like the woman he loves loves this music and then he starts to love it too and i just i guess if if this is like a list full of moments that is the moment for me that totally where i just connected and thought oh this is this is one of the sweetest moments Aww. i've ever seen in a movie that you know it's probably quentin tarantino's least violent but it still has it still has some moments so for for a movie that is um that has some some violence in it. Yeah. This is just like the tenderest thing you've ever seen. <gasps> oh, I need to see it. Yeah. I, I really can't believe how many movies of yours I haven't seen. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> We've just been living two different lives. <laughs> I mean, my you know, my non and everything self. Uh, I, you know, guys, guy. I, watched, I watched a lot of movies. Um, I love that about you. I'm, <laughs> I do. I like that. I like people who watch movies. I think it's, re- I think it's a nice quality. Okay. Here's my last one. Okay. 1987, The Princess Bride. Whoa. Dave. Oof, yeah. Okay, so I chose this movie because, first of all, it's a classic. It's an incredibly good movie, a very funny romantic comedy, a fairy tale, if you will, (laughs) um, which I just am a sucker for, obviously. Like, you know, I like... I know Little Women's not a fairy tale, but I like those sort of like set in the past movies about love. Like I love them. Like I love Pride and Prejudice. That's an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Princess Bride, which all of you probably have seen, is just what it's also a movie about longing. Yeah. And it I watched it recently on my way to Utah and on the airplane and there's something very special about like watching a film on an airplane because you just are doing that Mm -hmm. and I was reminded of like how much I like this movie how um whimsical and fantastical and funny and I don't know the whole thing I was just like oh I love this film Robin Wright give me a break well I mean maybe the most beautiful uh Maybe I guess she she's ever looked, but I just that that her her as Princess Buttercup as me as a little kid who was just old enough to like to to understand that I thought that girls were pretty. Yep, just the most stunning woman you've ever seen. I mean, breathtaking. And you know what? Let's not uh, leave him out. Carrie Elway's uh, looking amazing in this movie. Oh dream yeah a true dream yeah and it's i mean it's funny it's sweet it um 
you know, there's a little, you know, you want to talk about some nice relationships. A boy and his grandpa. Yeah. Very nice with yep. the story within the story. Yep. Um, it's just a very, very solid, wonderful movie. Yeah, it's a feel-good movie for and me. And it holds up. It does. And that's what was so interesting about it. Is like, I remember always loving it, but, um, you know, I remember always loving it, but I, I wasn't quite sure if I would love it today. And I watched it, you know, less than a month ago and was like, I still love this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. What is your last one? Okay, I think I'm going to move my number one into honorable mentions because they're okay. not in any order. Yeah. And I think that I want to swap out this one for a different one that I think similarly to maybe your pick has has a nostalgia vibe for yeah. me. But also I think it has a lot of heavy lifting to do Ooh. because it's doing the work of... Here, well, I'll, I'll just I'll talk yes. about it. It's uh, it's when Harry met Sally. Oh, I it was so hard for me not to pick that one. So I I didn't. I put it in honorable mentions, yeah. but I just decided. So maybe this is controversial. I think that this is the this is the non-controversial Woody Allen movie. Like this is yeah. This is like I feel like. If I've ever enjoyed a Woody... I have not watched one of his movies in a very long time. They don't really have a place in my life anymore. Uh, I don't find enjoyment from them. But when Harry Met Sally is sort of like... I think maybe people thought it was maybe a knockoff. But it's... it's Nora Ephron wrote it. Yep. Uh, Rob Reiner directed it. It's Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. And I think it's important to note that this is... Billy Crystal's most fuckable moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Also, I love that both of our like last choices are Rob Reiner films. Yes. It's pretty he, incredible. I mean, he had a good, good little run there. Yeah. Uh, but Billy Crystal in a Chris Evans and Knives Out sweater with a beard wearing what maybe is a wig. I think it's maybe controversial. It's, I haven't figured it out. Yeah. It's <laughs> why, why, why did his hair look amazing for one movie for an hour and a half? Like... It's truly I, confusing. I've talked to many women about this. They're like, I don't fight. I don't have a crush on him in any other movie. City Slickers, no, nothing. Mr. Saturday Night, nothing. Father's Day, any of his movies, no. But when Harry met Sally, yep. this man hard is, crush. is a hard crush yep. for a lot of women. Um, and I think it's just, I think a lot of it still rings true. I think it's not a perfect movie as mm. far as like relationship politics, but... The can men and women be friends thing. Yes. This was like the first. That's like the first that ever brought it up. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. We're, we're, I'm totally in agreement. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, obviously the answer is yes. A man and woman, woman can absolutely be friends. And they can host a podcast together. And they can host a podcast together. <laughs> but it's, but I think it's that, I mean, Carrie Fisher's great in it. It's just everything about it works i think it's maybe one of those this shouldn't work but it works movies yeah and i think the reason i said it has a lot of heavy lifting to do is like it has to it's taking the place on this list of basically any other movie of that era that has aged less well because there's a lot of who there's a lot of 80s rom-coms and comedies in general where you're like oh i didn't know that guy was doing brown face oh i didn't know that yeah. Uh, that whole subplot was about kind of drugging a woman. Yep. Oh, I didn't realize how much this woman's ass gets grabbed and she doesn't want it. Like, yep. um, and you know, any Woody Allen movie that would have even been in contention a couple of years ago mm-hmm. out the window. I think when Harry met Sally is, if you're looking for something of sort of a different time. And again, it was, you know, a little over 30 years ago that it came yeah. out, but it's just kind of quaint in that way. Like when this kind of movie got made a couple of years ago, yep. they made two of them. They made No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. Yep. One with Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. No, one thanks. with Jessica Beale and yeah. Justin Timber. No, no. I don't know. <laughs> they made- I don't oh, no, no, no. know. Uh, Mila Kunis and Justin yes, Timberlake. Yes, yes, Sorry. Yes, yes. But those were both like very aggressively like, can two friends fuck? Yeah. And this is more like, can two friends like, be I, anyway i'm yeah. i'm i'm with enamored you on this with one. it i haven't watched it in a long time but i feel like we can talk about some more obscure honorable mentions and i slipped one out and put this one in just because i think yeah let's just give credit where credit's due yeah and it, for nostalgia's sake you know yes um 
Can you tell me a few of your honorable mentions, just like list, rattling them off? Tell me one. Um, well, I said Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, Tootsie. You know that movie? Tootsie? Yeah. I love Tootsie. Um, Harold and Maude. I'm gonna call that. I'm gonna call that a romantic movie. I mean, it is romantic. It's In very. Some ways. It's very odd. It's really odd. I love yeah. it. Um, those those are my top. Those are like my three honorable mentions that I can think of right now. What about you? Okay, so I think you really got to give it up for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Agree. Just a devastating, gut wrenching movie, but yep. also the moments where these Jim Carrey and uh, Kate Winslet are falling in love. Uh, they really get you. Yep. And also, if you're like me. Any girl with dyed hair that you've dated over the oh past God. 20 years. Yeah. Um, I had The Farewell on here. Oh, interesting. Have you seen it? I have not. Uh, it is, uh, you know, the relationship in this that I love is between a girl and her grandmother. Okay. And their love is so pure. And I have not had grandparents, like living uh, grandparents for a very long time. Yeah. And this looks beautiful. Uh, it's really, really good. Aquafina um, just won a Golden Globe for this. Yeah. It is is a really special movie and it's a relationship you don't never really see um i also want to say okay so my last one is uh, a movie called the handmaiden it is from 2016 it's park chan wook uh who did old boy and stoker and uh lady vengeance and all those movies yeah um i really can't talking about it will spoil something i went in knowing absolutely nothing and i suggest that you guys do that too but uh Truly romantic and very uh, just surprising. Ooh, I like that. But I, okay, um, yeah. I feel like I have a lot of movies to see, <laughs> I, which is also kind of exciting. I need to. I'm going to see the the sunset trilogy. Do we give? Um, oh yeah, me. I want to see the last one. Yes. Um, do we give once a honorable mention? I love. Yeah, I, I like love that. Like I, I loved it when it forever. came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so beautifully done and like a different way of a. And oh, another honorable mention was Silver Linings Playbook. Ooh, interesting. I've I've not seen that since it came out. Well, honestly, I like them all. I like uh, I I thought Jennifer Lawrence was very good in that. I Me was too. a little thrown at the beginning because she is supposed to be. I mean, she had a run where she was playing characters that were way older than her. Yes, she was like twenty four playing a forty year old. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but she is very very good in that. Yep. Um, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna give a. I'm going to give one more honorable mention because it's a movie I just saw what? that I was not expecting to be very good. Um, and it is in the uh, pet category as far as loving a pet. <gasps> it is called Togo. It's on Disney Plus. Um, and it, did you see it? My friend worked on it and their dog is in it. What? I Yeah. <gasps> she was on our podcast, Deborah Baker Jr. Oh, my God. Her husband worked on the film. Yeah. And her dog... Bruce was a puppy in it. <laughs> He's going to be so ex- Michael's going to be so excited to know that this got an honorable mention. Okay. I Disney Plus people. I don't know if this movie I think maybe this movie shouldn't work but if this is a true story uh about a sled dog named Togo yep. who I, I mean Willem De- it basically it's a love story between Willem Dafoe and a dog. Yeah. And it is not just gut wrenching, but I mean, I love this dog too now. Oh, so wow. I love Togo, and so does Willem Dafoe, I and ha- I love Willem Dafoe. Wow, I have to introduce you to Bruce, their dog. I would love to meet Bruce. I'm sure I will be starstruck because I just saw him in a film. Wow, this uh, is so good. But but yeah, I mean, that's a whole other category. But I think that that is, uh, I think it's an extremely charming movie, and also you know. As, as a dog lover, you really believe it. Yeah. You really believe he loves this dog. Dave, I love talking to you about these movies, and I think you have really good taste in them, and I'm excited to watch all of yours and then let you know what I think. I'm excited to watch the Before Trilogy, and if I am a mess on the floor afterwards, I will give myself a day and then let you know what I thought of okay. it. great. Listeners, you can call our hotline, 213-458-5236. That's 213-458-5236. As always... Leave us a little something, something. Who knows? Just go crazy. Be yourself. Have fun with it. Yep. And you can email us at iburneverythingpod at gmail.com. Again, tell us a little something. We might read it on a future episode. We're compiling some. We might do a whole app that's just stuff that you send us. Yeah. Let's let's do that. That'll be fun. Let's (laughs) freaking do it. Um, 
And uh, as always, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, you can listen to us there. But yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. At the, go to the movies. Let us Guys, know what I your favorite. A lot of movies. Yeah, let us know about your favorite romantic movie. Um, when we tweet this out and when we uh release this episode we'd love to hear about your favorite romantic movies yeah maybe maybe some we haven't heard of and also if you disagree with us tell us why yeah we love a um, we love a hot debate <laughs> because we love, we love when our opinions lead to hot debates well as rom-coms will tell us a little uh fiery conversation can lead to uh hot little... romance <laughs> <laughs> oh also honorable mention Big Night with Stanley Tucci. That's a food movie. Oh, wow. And Chef with Jon Favreau has some really great looking food in it. But also the romance in it is he can't decide who to have sex with Scarlett Johansson or um, Sofia Vergara, which is like kind of outrageous. But all the food in it looks delicious. (laughs) So not the best actual romantic movie, but it's a nice movie about a father and a son and all the Cuban food in it looks delicious. And in Big Night... Oh, all of the Italian food. So many good foods. Um, And, you know, ratatouille. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave you with that. (laughs) We'll leave you with ratatouille. Ratatouille. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Goodbye. What's up, stoners? Welcome to I'm Too Effing High. It's a podcast where we test the age-old question, does marijuana make you funnier? I'm here to talk to you about eating people. I bring on comedians. I get them high on marijuana. Ooh, yes. It's just like Fisherman's Cup. Yeah. Oh, and I would know. <laughs> Please give a warm welcome to Nicole Byer, Tim Bob, Sam Richardson, Mary Holland. Are you guys ready for this show tonight? I'm too having high. New episodes every Tuesday. Yeah. Stay too having high, you guys. Campfire.